The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, exciting new directions is what we're all about because we're about the future of business with Game Changers presented by SAP Services. So if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. You already knew that. Today's buzz, one word complexity. Hmm, that's a big one. Let's look back in history. Since the dawn of time, we humans have tried to solve complex problems. They seemed complex along the way. How? Through a combination of cumulative learning, imagination, I love that, technological advances, spirit and courage, especially the courage to tackle them. By the way, have you ever heard of the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid? Well, we haven't always done that so much. Let's fast forward to today. Today, our ability to efficiently manipulate, manage, and understand and, and glean insights from larger and larger volumes of data has the potential to take our civilization and propel it forward at undreamed of speed. But what does this mean? Now we can untangle complex quandaries. We can foresee upcoming challenges and tackle them with ease. But where will that take our civilization next? That's a big question. And I've got three experts on my panel today to help us answer that question. You don't want to miss what they have to say. First up on the panel is Jason Sprunk. He's a change architect and practitioner with Rockwell Automation. He sent me the following quote. We're going to have him explain it and dissect it in just a second. Jason sent me this. The pace of change is mind-boggling, and our ability to cope, adapt, and evolve as a species will likely be challenged. And then he quotes Wolf, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who's the author of Faust, you all know that, by seeking and blundering, we learn, and we must always change, renew, rejuvenate ourselves, otherwise we harden. Jason Sprunk at Rockwell, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks, Bonnie. How are you? Very well, thank you. Great quote. Talk to me. We got a little bit of you. We got a little bit of Gota in here. So talk to me. Mind-boggling pace of change. When did this start to get so fast, Jason? Well, the interesting thing for me, this uh, pace of change, this, this statement that I, that I made there on the pace of change, mind-boggling, the evolution of the species on the line, the funny thing for me as a student of history is this could be 1890, could be 1920, could be 1970. But here we are in 2014, and it does feel this way, doesn't it? It feels like mm-hmm. this pace of change is so great. And for me, um, it's all about learning. It's all about building new synapses, because really when I think about learning, it's about survival. If you think about you know, um, humankind, we do something bad, we learn don't do that again. And really, all of these new tools that we have for us, big data, um, the pace of change is all about figuring out well, what do we want to solve, where are we going, what's our purpose? 
So even, even with these fantastically complex and wonderful new tools, for me, it's still about a couple of fundamental things. What are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? What's our purpose? How are we going to get there? And fundamentally, the things that you use, the tools that you use to achieve those things don't change a whole lot. You've got to come down to clear communications and, and um, helping folks get through the change and equipping them to manage it. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of where I see things. Thank you, Jason. I have a question for you relating to my intro. I asked where can we take the civilization next if we are able to move ahead faster with our challenges with, as our topic today is simplifying complexity. So any quick insights you can give us, a glimpse of hope on the horizon of where we can go with these new skills? Well, imagine changing the conversation from the perils of texting and driving to automated driving without the worries of texting. I think that we're on the cusp of that possibility, but there's some things that get in the way. So I I think the possibilities truly are mind-boggling and pretty fantastic if we can uh, get the right focus. I think so, too. That sounds exciting, although I really would miss my car. But what can I tell you? I, I miss the, the fun. of Anyway, we'll, we'll get into that later. Let me welcome our second panelist today. He's a frequent guest on all of our SAP radio shows. Jorge Garcia is Senior BI and Data Management Analyst at Tech. For those of you who have been hiding under a rock, that's Technology Evaluation Centers. And Jorge is quoting Kevin Kelly the founding executive director of Wired Magazine. Here's the quote. Complexity that works is built up out of modules that work perfectly layered one over the other. Sounds like a fascinating design. Welcome back, Jorge Garcia. How are you today? Ah, I'm very good. I'm very good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. So, Kevin Kelly, I, I used to work for a Kevin M. Kelly. Clearly, this is not the same one. He was <laughs> wired, but he didn't He didn't found Wired Magazine. So, the question is, what are these modules? Talk to me about this. Well, I think that uh, that's a basic a basic ability of humans, which is uh, built from some, I mean from simple objects, uh, complex uh, complex objects, and I think that ability uh, persists during time, and and it, it's what makes us evolve and understand the world and try to try to fix it and and make it better. So I think that 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 main principle has not changed at all. And uh, it was very interesting, the intro from, from Jason, in, in terms of mm-hmm. how do we co- cope, how do we adapt, and how do we evolve. And that's, that's basically the same, the same driver that, that keeps us in, 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 many, in, in many things, not just in business, but, uh, but in life in general. So the ability to adapt and the ability to cope and evolve, it's part of uh, what we do. And, and, and I think the, simpler, uh, the simplest way we do that is by taking simple things and, and, and build upon them. And then, of course, that will get complex, but it's always a matter of building. Uh, there has been a recent trend in terms of talking, uh, uh, and talking about Legos and how we build upon them. And I think that's, um, uh, uh, that Legos are very popular because we, we, we know that with Legos we can build many things. And that's, that's because I think in our, in our nature is that, that main principle, which is building upon simple things and creating complex and, 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 and beautiful and great things. 
Thank you. And, Jorge, it's so interesting you mentioned Legos. I can't recall. Uh, I watch TV sitcoms and silly ones for relaxation at night in between working on, on SAP radio, preparing for shows like this. And I remember in a recent show, somebody was a, a guru at building things with Legos. And all of his friends said, I want one dedicated to me. So he'd build something. He'd build like, a, like the, uh, the, air, the dome, one of the, the uh, sports domes. He'd build a replica of that in Legos, and he'd give it to somebody. He'd say, oh, he built that for me. So Legos were part of this man's identity. Very interesting about the modules and building blocks and talking about simplicity. Thank you, Jorge. Great addition to our intro. And let's bring on our third panelist, last but certainly not least, Francesco Mari. He's a vice president of the HANA Business Program in SAP Custom Development. And Francesco has sent me a quote from H.L. Mencken. We have such a stellar group of quoted people today, as well as panelists, live panelists. And the quote is, for every complex problem there is a solution that is clear, simple, and, wait for it, wrong. <laughs> Welcome, Francesco Mari. How wrong is it? Talk to me. Welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to be in the show. How are you today? I'm, I'm well. I love the quote. Tell me, what, what, how does this apply? I, I, I love this quote. I actually stumbled upon this quote maybe 20 years ago, something like that. I love the first sight and, and has been with me since then, and, Somehow it became more relevant uh, every every day or every year, and it, and it's very much about the attitude toward complexity. At least that's my mm -hmm. perspective. I would put a sign with this quote in every room where complex problems are discussed because complexity is fascinating. Complexity can be incredibly rich. Complexity is very much the fabric of our life, and it's becoming more and more. While phenomena become more uh, interconnected and more interdependent. But complexity is also uncomfortable. Complexity mm -hmm. is unpredictable or creates unpredictable situations. And I think as human beings, we, we have a kind of a uh, temptation. It's almost unavoidable when facing a complex problem to look for, for a way out, right? uh, an, an escape from, from that mm -hmm. level of uncomfort and and uh, and you have to be careful about it because when you understand the problem in all this size and faces you at the end you can decide which simplification you want to take because very often to solve complex problems we need to find a way to you know break it down into modules um, as Gloria was saying um, but before you have to get to a good level of understanding, when, when you try to get through, to cut through complexity too fast, that's pretty, pretty dangerous um, game. And, uh, and that's a big reminder for me whenever I personally have to face something like that. Very interesting, Francesco. I have a question for you. Is, is a complex problem, and many of them seem complex, and that's why only certain people are brave enough. That's my question. Is do you have to be brave to tackle, to walk right up to a complex problem, look it in the eye and say, I can figure you out. I will come up with a solution. It might not be clear and simple right away, but I can come up with an elegant, perhaps layered, modularized solution. I can come up with something that is mind-bogglingly simple. Is this only for the brave? Does this separate the wheat from the chaff, to quote a very old statement probably from the Bible, the, the women and men from the mice? Uh, Francesco, what do you think? Who is the one who looks these problems in the eye and says, ah, this is the one I want to tackle? I think it requires a certain level of, you know, 
braveness, being bold in tackling certain things, it requires a special attitude, I think, a, a, a level of tolerance toward unpredictability, which is something that, for example, in our businesses today, we don't like that much. We love predictable scenarios. Yes. Complex, uh, complex situations, almost by definition. You know, we, we have multiple definitions of, for, for complexity, but in general, one accepted definition is about uh, feedback loops, so phenomena that tend to reverberate with each other that create almost uh, intrinsically unpredictable situations. So you have to be, you have to be very mentally open, uh, very, I think, intellectually curious. I would vote if I have to pick one characteristic mm -hmm. would be, you know, intellectually, intellectual curiosity more than uh, courage in a way. You, you need both. But m mental openness, I think it's very, very important. And, and my guess is that in the future with, you know, business environments, our society, uh, whatever, technology, science, politics, becoming increasingly complex, this kind of uh, uh, um, mental openness and intellectual curiosity will become a key characteristics of, of uh, you know, good leaders and, and, good, and, and good innovators. Exactly what I was looking for. I'm going to give Jason Sprunk and Jorge Garcia a quick chance to comment on what Francesco just opened up, and then we're going to go to our What's in Your Cup today. Talk about unpredictable. I have no idea what you're all going to say. Jason, the thought about the unpredictability, about the type of person it takes to look these problems in the eye. What are your thoughts? One of the things that Francesco said to me really resonated. He said, deciding which problems to tackle, which areas to focus on. And I think, like, that's, to me, that's the fundamental thing. We've got this fantastic new set of tools at our, at, our, at our fingertips, deciding what to do with it, figuring out, okay, what are we trying to solve? What's the burning platform that we're trying to take care of? So for me, that was really insightful, trying to figure that out. And how do you just take the tool? Because I can be a really bad golfer, and so I get in my head that I can go out and buy new golf clubs and become a better golfer, and guess what? Of course. I, still, I love the game, but I'm still not any good. <laughs> tools of the trade. Jorge Garcia, you want to chime in here, please? Yes. Uh, well, I think that uh, the, the part of mentally being mentally open is extremely important to address complexity. And, and I agree with that because if, if, if you're, if you, you always need to take a fresh approach. And I, I'm, I'm going to quote somebody, I don't remember the names because I'm very bad with names, but uh, somebody uh, once told me, well, let's, uh, let's fail and let's fail fast. And, and, and I think that had a lot of meaning because it was, okay, let's try it and let's see what's going to happen. And that requires, like you said, a lot of courage, but specifically to be mentally open to address uh, the, 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 a problem differently, to try to understand it. And I think that's, that's also another key, is you need to make a lot of effort to really try to understand a complex problem or a problem in general, and that takes many, many, many times. That that takes more time than than the the, the applying the solution to a problem. 
Thank you very much. All good thoughts. I'm trying to look up uh, Fail Fast, Fail Often, How Losing Can Help You Win. I just found an article in the dailybeast.com, but I don't want to digress away from our topic. Very interesting points. I have this unpredictable question to ask all three of you. You knew it was coming, so I hope you're ready. Surprise me. Let's see who can top this one. It's what's in your cup today or what do you wish you're drinking? Jason Sprunk, we just like to get to know you a little better. Talk to me. Sure thing. Well, I'm I'm uh, really I'm a two-fisted drinker here. So on my right, I've got my cup of green tea, um, and on my left, I've got my water. But I tell you, I'm really looking. We've had a really long winter here, and uh, it's 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 just been brutal. So I can't wait for a few weeks out from now when I'm going to be sitting somewhere warm, with something a little more interesting at this time of the morning than what I have right about now. But uh, yeah, thanks, Jason. Where are you? I'm in New York, and I know we've had a brutal winter. Are you nearby? I'm in Milwaukee, so I'm in the up, I'm in the Midwest, and it's just been it's just been one yeah. snow and cold event after the next one, and I just I'm ready to be done. Welcome to my world. I've noticed that the bulbs are already about six inches high out of the ground here. I think they're crocuses or tulips or something like that, and they're very brave because I'm sure that ground is still very very cold. Thank you, Jason. Jorge Garcia. I understand you have a little cough today. We haven't heard it yet, but I hope you're drinking something soothing. So oh, go ahead, Jorge. What's in your cup? Of course, I'm. I'm drinking uh, a mix, a tea uh, mixing uh, cinnamon and uh, tila, uh, a special herb. Uh, coming from Mexico, so hopefully that will make me feel better. And by the way, I'm a Mexican in Montreal, so I'm pretty mm-hmm. scared with the winter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I I I take my tea so I can I can do both things. One is uh, it's get better from the cold and uh, forget a little bit of the cold winter this this in Montreal. I think we all want to forget. Thank you. And Francesco Mari, you're calling from Italy. Where are you exactly, and what's in your cup today, Francesco? Yeah, so I'm based in Milano, Italy, in the north of the mm-hmm. country. Um, it's actually kind of an embarrassing question because Italians are very picky about coffee. There are all these sorts of cultural things. Uh, like, for example, you maybe know, and if you don't know, that's something that you should know. If you happen to travel to Italy, one thing that you don't want to do is kind of the, in, in the unforgettable range you don't want to order a cappuccino after 11 a.m. unless you can clearly show and demonstrate that you just got out of bed, right? It's completely unacceptable. <laughs> and, and, and in the range of things that are unacceptable, there's one thing that is probably even worse, which is what I do. I'm sorry, I drink instant coffee, and that's my tribute to simplicity. That's one area where I kind of fear really cutting through complexity and going for the simplest thing, just, you know, um, hot water with a couple of spoons of instant coffee. That's my poison. I think this is the first time we've ever had anybody in over 200 shows admit to using instant coffee. Thank you, Francesco Mari. And I have a tweet here from uh, our fearless leader, the sponsor of this program, David S. Fowler, who's on Twitter right now. He's sponsoring this series, Future of Business with Game Changers. And he says, in my cup today, Starbucks via VIA at 12,000 feet on Mount Phillips, Arizona. Well, David, we're glad to hear you're, you're at a, a, a good altitude, that you're, you're high on the radio show. 
that's appreciated. Um, I want to want to welcome everybody who is tweeting along with our show today. We use the hashtag SAP Radio R A D I O, and we'd appreciate it if you're listening. If any comments, and I want to thank my three panelists for a great opening segment. I'm speaking today with Jason Sprunk at Rockwell Automation, Jorge Garcia at Tech to Technology Evaluation Centers, and Francesco Mari at SAP. We'll be right back after the break, and you know what's coming, a marathon roundtable. We're going to go about 25 minutes nonstop diving into our topic today, which is the future of simplifying complexity. I don't know if that's an oxymoron, but it's certainly a good goal. And the subtitle is Insight-Driven Innovation. We're going to get a lot of insights from my panelists. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening. We'll be right back. Brad out. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Here we are, and the future is now, speaking today with Jason Spronk at Rockwell, Jorge Garcia at Tech and Francesco Mari at SAP. Our topic is the future of simplifying complexity, insight-driven innovation, the best kind. Let's get some insights here. Jason Sprunk, I'd like to open our marathon roundtable with you. I want to talk about Tesla. So talk about simplifying complexity. You say to me that, the, you said in your notes, the battery in a Tesla automobile is reportedly capable of powering Wait for it, wait for it. The average home for more than three days. And talk about how much of the grid storage in the U.S. Teslas are making up already. Jason, introduce us to this part of simplifying complexity. Let's start with what is the complex problem and how is Tesla helping to simplify it? Go ahead. Well, as I, I like to think of myself as a little bit of a car guy. I just like to read about cars, like to look at nice cars. And not that I have a lot of nice cars, but um, so for me, the the fascinating thing about this whole concept is, you know, for me, an automaker is trying to solve the problem of how do you design the coolest, best-looking, maybe the most fuel-efficient um, high-tech automobile. So when I read this, that Tesla, the automaker, was trying to solve a problem that, frankly, I didn't even think was a problem that an automaker would solve. And, and that is sort of this notion of power grid, power generation. And so I began to sort of dig into this, and I, I What's mind-blowing for me is this, this notion that this car, this perhaps mobile power source, can power the home for over three days. And so when you think about that, I think there's about 40,000 Teslas uh, on the road right now. 
So the, the other sort of wow stat for me was that right now, with just the Tesla sold, that's 14% of the grid storage in the United States. I mean, just so you talk about what problem are we trying to solve, I didn't even know that that was a problem they were trying to solve. And so then my mind got thinking a little bit. And I, and I read an article on CNN about this company called Wittricity. And I, I know that wireless Internet has changed our lives. I mean, we walk around the streets these days and we get maybe annoyed when there's not a Wi-Fi hotspot available or my kids, Dad, turn on your hotspot in the car so we can get online while we're driving in the car. So for me, one of the, one of the sort of Star Trek-like dreams of, of, of our lives has been, imagine not having to plug in. Imagine just having power wherever you go. And so I read with great interest this story on CNN about this company that's demonstrating the sort of the age-old or at least the century-old dream of wireless power. And so when you think about this back in Tesla's day, when he thought about this, their problem was how do you get this power generation that's at Niagara Falls as an example, how do you get that untethered to um, the big natural feature of the waterfall? In? Well, now if you, if you can reliably demonstrate wireless power and then you sort of couple that with the notion that you got this mobile power storage thing driving around in your road and maybe presumably Tesla will sell a lot of these things, all of a sudden you begin to think about, oh my gosh, well, what if that's a mobile power source that I enjoy driving? And I mean, just it's just really, so for me, the whole point of all that is we are faced with the notion of coming up with connections and figuring out problems that we didn't even know existed before. And the possibility of doing that is going to require, I think, folks that see things differently, that look at the world a little bit differently. And I know I struggle because it's constant stimulation these days. And it seems, it seems like everybody's got a little bit of attention challenges. And so figuring out how do you take this idea, this technology, this breakthrough, figuring out what problem you're trying to solve, put them all together, and then go from there. Fascinating. Very interesting perspective. Fascinating, exciting, and I have to add some more good news. I believe that Elon Musk was featured on 60 Minutes Sunday night, and that led me to, to do this quick look up here. I don't know if you're all aware, but Tesla is trying to get the cost of the battery down so that the cars can be more affordable because right now there's no way they can make anything in the $35,000, $45,000 range. It's way up in the six figures. So they are planning to build a $5 billion battery factory. But now it's a political football because Arizona, Texas, Nevada, and New Mexico all want to be the place for the factory. So there you go. Just a little side note. If they can build the factory and get the battery price down, maybe we can see all of this. Good points all, Jay. Sprunk. I want to bring Jorge Garcia at Tech and Francesco Mari at SAP into this conversation. Thoughts about the concepts that Jason introduced? I'm particularly interested in your point of view on the fact that sometimes you don't know there's a problem, but you happen upon a solution that points out to you that there is a problem, talking about simplifying complexity. Jorge Garcia, you want to talk about Tesla or something else? And Francesco. This is a very interesting topic, and I think mm-hmm. that two things came to my mind when, 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 when Jason was addressing this topic. One is that um, uh, when, you have, when you have complex problems, the, these complex problems, I think that they c- can be based on a specific problem, which was, uh, creating the uh, the electrical vehicle and 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 the technical aspect of it, but then you have complexity coming around the environment, and then 
how do you make that successful? Because we know that, I mean, the, the electrical car might be available since, since many years ago, but it, it, maybe it was not the time. It was not the, the time frame. It, it, we, didn't, we, we were not prepared with other types of complexity surrounding, like you mentioned, the business, uh, uh, and not just the technical, but the business, the distribution, uh, politically, there, there, there's a lot to do involved within. So I think that that plays into a very specific type of complexity, which is trying to fit that into uh, in in a way, try to fit this technology in a way that you will be able to be uh, to make it successful and useful. And I think that's what what we mentioned earlier in the, in the phrase that that was uh, why the the phrase was so so important to me because. If you mention that complexity has to be useful, uh, complexity will be useful until it has all the components uh, to allow a society uh, to adopt that, that technology or to adopt that business model and make it, make it part of their lives. So for me, that, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting point. Interesting. And uh, Francesco Mari, why don't you join in on this conversation, then I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. Go ahead, Francesco. Yeah, actually, it's, it's extremely interesting. And my perception on this is that we're seeing two different patterns uh, in action here. On one side, in the physical world, consistently with the evolution of science and technology for the last at least couple of centuries, we've been facing, as, as the, you know, the human beings, we, we face problems uh, they are somehow well identified, like, you know, on the topic of uh, Jason's uh, uh, part on Tesla, uh, how to storage energy. And those problems, uh, somehow we're improving and we struggle still to find a, a um, you know, clear-cut solution. The interesting thing, which is a more recent trend, on the information technology side, so more on the quote-unquote virtual world, we also almost have the opposite situation right now. My, as I work in the IT world, and, and what I'm seeing in the IT world is that we have a lot of tools, so a lot of solutions, a lot of hammers looking for nails. Um, with the existing technologies we have in the IT world today, we are already able to do more than what we, we are doing currently, and, and the effort in this case is to find smart, uh, powerful uh, uh, ways to apply those uh, tools that we have in our in our bag uh, to have an impact and to have an impact on on, on people's life, on on, on businesses, on, on uh, public services, uh, um, whatever you right. And, and somehow my hope, and and I don't have any facts to to, to back up this mm-hmm. hope, but but my hope is that. In the next 10, maybe 20 years, we'll see these two uh, different phenomena converging and, and helping each other to close this gap and, and having more and more integrated solutions where the physical and the virtual world will basically collapse and, and, and become one integrated way of living. That could be slightly different. And the Internet, the famous Internet of Things, where mm-hmm. we start to connect uh, all sorts of different devices we have around, physical devices we have around us, I think it's the, it's the starting point of this pretty big transformation that I guess we'll see in the next, in the next years. 
It is a big transformation. And I want to move to a talking point that Jorge Garcia sent me before the show and expand this a little bit. Let's talk about what Jorge calls, and maybe he coined this phrase, the new business ecosystem. Let me read this, and then, Jorge, you can lead us off, and we'll ask Jason and Francesco to chime in. You say, building on useful complexity, and that's a concept in itself, should allow the new business ecosystem to reduce operational layers to streamline the business enable prediction, enable earlier reaction, promote collaboration, and promote collective intelligence. There's a lot of meat on the bones. That's a great quote, by the way, Jorge. So why don't we take this apart? Talk to me about, first of all, useful complexity, and then let's talk about the new business ecosystem. What exactly is it? Well, what I, what I think is that, uh, and, and this is in line with, uh, with uh, what Francesco was mentioning uh, a little bit earlier uh, right now, it was about having, I mean, hoping that this uh, technology and, 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 and information from, from the information technology side, we would be able to integrate all the elements to, to create this. And I think that in, in, in certain aspects, uh, this is happening. And, uh, and we are changing from, from a world that was based on platforms, technology platforms, to some, in some degree, to places where technology is a component of something, something even bigger, which is the, the business model, uh, 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 the, uh, the collective, uh, let's call it the collective intelligence of, mm-hmm. of people uh, uh, managing the business. And then all these elements need to act together. Uh, what, what happened is that, instead, but we need to review this very close and try to make it simple in a way, and instead of creating more layers, uh, operational, business-wise, technology-wise, we need to ensure that these, these uh, parts of the ecosystem can be mixed together and reduce layers and, and, and streamline operation. I think in that regard, when that, when, when that happens, uh, to, to, we will be successful with business-wise, but also we will be successful in providing a service that, that will in, increase the quality of life. And I think that, that we, we need to look forward to, to look to those, uh, those two aspects, be business successful, but also uh, 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 increase the quality of life. And that's, that's when, when, when things get complex, because that's not an easy task. Mm-hmm. Jason Spronk, I'm sure you have something to add here. What do you, what's on your mind? Well, the, the topic of the dialogue is refreshing. It's, it's really, I, I heard both Francesco and Jorge talk about things that just fantastic. So I, I heard the Internet of Things, and really it's about the connected enterprise. Imagine we spend a lot of time looking at the health of something. Is this thing running? Is it working right? Is it, is it still secure? Imagine everything's connected with the Internet of Things, and we don't have to. We have better access to information more quickly. What does that do? It helps us make better decisions faster. Streamlines removes complexity. But the cool thing about all of this, and if, if we all as a society, as a people do this right, right, it gets us to be more efficient. It gets us to be more sustainable. And fundamentally, frankly, it makes a, for a better life for all of us. So I think if we do this the right way, we truly can be at an inflection point where this convergence of stuff, data and information and connectedness, technology comes together and propels us, again, potentially just in mind-boggling ways. Thank you. Francesco, thoughts on what we're talking about right now before I move to one of your talking points? Go ahead, Francesco. 
Absolutely. Actually, I love what Jorge was saying before about uh, this ecosystem concept. My experience uh, is that when you start to work on this kind of concept, for example, the relationships between the various players change quite dramatically because um, it's not anymore about I'm a supplier, you're the customer, um, you're a partner, you're a you know, university professor or whatever, the various players we used to have around the table to address certain problems with the, if you want a traditional approach, everybody with a tag on, with a name and a role, um, these mm -hmm. kind of problems can be addressed and, and, and sometimes even solved only when people with a very different uh, perspective, different background, uh, a different approach, different starting points can really work together. And, and make and make a progress and, and move things forward. And for me, that's that's fantastic side of this opportunity we have we have in front of us. It's very much about innovating together. It's very much about creating collective or shared intelligence. It's very much about partnering with whomever can provide value to address this this gigantic opportunities we have we have in front of us. And, and, and I think that's one of the most exciting, also, you know, socially interesting uh, uh, opportunities we have in front of us, really this, this um, different category, different new generation of ecosystems working together. Great. Great points, Francesco, and I'm going to keep you talking here because I want to talk about something you sent me before the show. Let's go back, way back in history. Let's, in fact, go back to legend. You know where I'm going with this. You sent me the following I alternate know. opening quote, and there's so much interesting. I know Jason's going to just, just pounce on this once he hears it, as well as where you say, the Gordian knot, let's everybody dial it back, is a legend of Phrygian Gordium, I won't even begin to spell that, associated with Alexander the Great. It is often used as a metaphor for an intractable problem. That means an impossible knot that needs to be unentangled or disentangled. And here, let me read this again. It's often used as a metaphor for an intractable problem solved easily by cheating, aha, or thinking outside the box, quote-unquote, cutting the Gordian knot. Wikipedia, of course. So, Francesco, this is a great look back over our shoulders at intractable problems and what we're calling today complexity and simplifying it. So take us back in history. Talk to me. This is interesting information. Just get us started, and then I want to hear from Jason, and I want to hear from Jorge. Go ahead. Yeah, this is actually a great story. It's a great legend. Um, 330 before Christ. There's a small town in, in what is now Turkey. There used to be the, the door toward Asia. And uh, um, previously, it, it, it's, a, it's a layered legend, but basically at the entrance of this town, there's a chariot tied to a pole with a very complex knot. And the legend says that the first who can untie that knot will become the emperor of Asia or the world according to the version. Of course, a lot of people try. So and, so. and one day a guy passes by. He has an army uh, with him. That's not a completely trivial uh, uh, detail. But, uh, but this guy's not a normal person, right? He's a king of Greece, and his main teacher happened to be Aristoteles, uh, one of the greatest philosophers in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in ancient history. So this guy is a king, is a warrior king and is a philosopher king. 
and uh, and uh, what she does, he gets there, and he takes his sword and cuts the knot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in my own imagination, I like to imagine Alexander, that later became Alexander the Great and founded the largest empire that human history ever saw. I like to imagine Alexander looking at the north and, and doing what he did in a respectful manner, if you understand mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's, if, if I have to think about one way to you know, consolidate everything, I believe it's, uh, it's enlightened leadership toward complexity. That's it, right? You have to be a warrior, and that goes back to the uh, courage topic we were discussing before. You have to be a philosopher to a certain extent as well, and you have to be ready to do what you have to do in order to achieve a result. I think that it's a great lesson for, for uh, the current time as well. I appreciate that. Jason Sprunk at Rockwell Automation. I'm sure you have something to say about the legend and the not. What are you thinking? Well, I, I love the, I just love the imagery that that evokes for me. And I, mm-hmm. it's sort of the modern, the modern example of that for me, I, I was thinking about the, I think it's the Indiana Jones movie where, uh, he, he's, somebody wants to attack him and, and, uh, the, the person, the attacker is, uh, I think either martial arts or swords. I can't remember, but instead of it's fighting. Sword. I, 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 I have the image right in front of me right now. <laughs> what does he do? He pulls out a modern tool. Boom. Sorry, PG audience here, but pulls out his gun and, uh. <laughs> Solves the problem, just like cutting the knot. And, and so for me, though, I think <laughs> you started off by talking about relationships, and you started off to talk about uh, shared intelligence and, and this notion of enlightened leadership and courage. Fundamentally, though, people are the same wherever we go. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to do for our families and our friends. And I think sometimes we forget that the new tools – they're so exciting. We get, all, we get all riled up about the technology and the possibilities and, and what can happen. And I'm reminded of um, uh, a transportation and delivery company here in the States that uh, has, has really leveraged big data. And they're really trying to be smart about how do you make sure that the packages get there the fastest and the most efficiently by really at the truck level directing where we go, what streets, turn left, turn right, go here, do that. At the end of the day, though, it's about the people. And the mm-hmm. tool or the technology is only as good as the people that are using it or as they want to use it. And so fundamentally, it's about, it's about coming back to the person. Are they bought in? Do they understand? Why are we going here? What are we trying to do here? And it gets back to do we have a shared goal? Do we have a common vision? Is it clear? Do we have enlightened leadership at the top to solve what, you know, what we, our first, any of our first SAP implementation, this daunting challenge of tens of thousands of people going live at the same time? It's a solvable problem broken down into small pieces, or maybe sometimes with technology, you pull out that gun and it's a different way to solve it. Who knew? Bang. Interesting. I have a Jorge Garcia-ism. I've just coined that term, Jorge. Don't blush, please. He says, technology alone cannot solve new complex business challenges. Here it comes. Big data, after all, is just data. So do you want to chime in on this cheating or the subtle difference of simplicity regarding the Gordian knot? And then I'm going to move on to something else before we go to break. Go ahead, Jorge. Uh, I think, (laughs) I mean, two points are related and are very extremely important. I'm not going to be able to say something new to what, what, uh, both uh, uh, Jason and, and, and Francesca said, which was really interesting. 
I just want to add something that I, I consider very special in this case, which is uh, when, when, when we mention leadership and the people, I think that that's, that's a huge uh, thing we need to discuss further in the future, which is how do we empower people, how to manage uh, the, their decision capabilities uh, in, in, in a good way, because that's, that's again, that, like they mentioned, it's extremely important. Uh, what, what I mentioned, which is big data is just data, after all, it is just data. And it's about how we use it and how we how we how we make the best of that data to uh, improve our lives. But also, it's about those stakeholders that use that data and how do we empower them to to in a certain way make the best the best possible decision based on the best possible tool. So I think it's it, it, this this puts us in a in a very good or bad perspective, if, if you will. We will face certainly some challenges around security, around privacy, but we had them before, and we need to address those with, a, with, a, with, a, with, an, with an open mind and try to make sure that we empower the, the, the people to make those decisions to, to, uh, to improve the business and, and to collaborate in that. So I think that, yes, we, we need to change. We might need to change some structures there. Okay. You know what? I have a surprise for my guests. We're about 13 minutes till the end of the show. I'm not going to take another break because we have too much to talk about. So I told you it's a marathon roundtable. We're going to combine the roundtable. Sorry, guys. We're going to combine it with the crystal ball predictions round because I don't think any of you need a break. You're really on a roll. I want to turn to another idea, something that Jason Sprunk sent me before the show, and I know this is going to get everybody's interest up. Everybody's going to want to comment. According to CSC, Jason says, 3D printing yes, we have to talk about that, is providing a platform for collaboration that is accelerating innovation and disruption of the material world. And he adds, just as the Internet fostered collaboration, innovation and disruption in the digital world. Let's talk about the advent. And I know it's not really that new. It's just gaining renown and popularity now. Jason, talk to me about 3D printing in terms of simplifying complexity. Is it really? Gosh, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think back to my uh, childhood days, and, and we, I think we can all remember you had this toy, and the toy broke, and you were upset. Maybe you cried. Maybe you were angry. I don't know. But the piece of plastic broke off. The battery cover wouldn't stay on. It, it, something happened. And, and so for me, I imagine the power of being able to go to well, a YouTube-like 3D drawing repository and finding a way to either order up that thing down at your local Kinko's or FedEx, or oh, if you have your own 3D printer, just printing up a new plastic part for your toy for your, for your son or your daughter. And imagine the joy on their face when you don't have to throw the toy away, buy a new toy, or deal with that grief. So that's a, I mean, that's a lighthearted example for me, but then I, then I read about a real serious example of this. Mm-hmm. So 3D printing in the world of, of the medical industry, imagine, again, the ability to create with plastics a new piece of an organ, a new body limb, or even more, again, mind-blowing, to be able to grow organically, to layer on with a 3D organic printer a new body part or new food. It's just, again, we're at this, we're at this sort of uh, inflection point where just what was once the future of uh, the, sort of the, the, the ire of Star Trek and the, the, that space is now reality, and it's, it's simply amazing for me. 
Okay, I love that. And uh, by the way, somebody told me recently that the 3D printers now can print chocolate. Be mm-hmm. still, my heart. I just want to know if it's dark and it's really just bordering on bitter and if it's going to be heart health. Oh, with heck, heck with heart healthy. I just want it anyway. I can't wait to get a chocolate printing 3D printer right after the show. Jorge you Garcia, you want to come? What's that? <laughs> you, you and me both. That sounds fantastic, doesn't it? <laughs> Does. We have to have a 3D printing chocolate party, Jason. You're coming over <laughs> as soon as you can get out here. Okay, as soon as the, the snow thaws and the ice cap goes away. Oh. Jorge Garcia, thoughts about 3D printing and thoughts about what you're calling useful complexity. Is it useful complexity or is it elegant simplification of complexity? What do you think, Jorge? <laughs> no, I think, I think in fact, that's, that's the prototype of, of useful complexity and how can we really uh, make, things, uh, make things improve uh, life. Uh, but also, I think that w- the other aspect of it and uh, what I find interesting about 3D and other technologies is how we are kind of a breaking uh, silos uh, within, even within an organization, breaking silos in terms of uh, we used to have very uh, different departments. Uh, the R&D department was, was isolated some, somewhere uh, doing research, and the business department was there uh, doing their stuff. Now everyone is coming together, and, and, and what's happening is that that same technology helping uh, uh, research and development or, or used just by research and development, many of those techniques, many, many of, of that technology is being used in business, is being used in health, is being used in many other areas. So that's what I, what I, what I, what I, what I mentioned when I mentioned ecosystem, which is, okay, now we have something that it's about collaboration, that it's interacting within many aspects of one single organization or even between organizations by themselves. Appreciate that. Francesco, you want to chime in on 3D printing before we go into, for real, our crystal ball predictions round because we are getting close to the end. Go ahead, Francesco. Absolutely. I love 3D printing. I have to confess, last year toward uh, around November or something like that, I started to circulate, uh, uh, you know, among friends and relatives how, how much I like 3D printers. But, didn't really work out that well, so I bought one for myself uh, <laughs> when I realized I was not getting one for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and really, and be, be able to touch it, uh, right, and, and get, a, get a real sense of it. And, it, and it's amazing. It's amazing. And you can already see how very concretely transforming the way R&D works, but, for example, the way certain businesses are, are, are managing spare parts for, for um uh, you know, parts that are they, they need to stock long term, but uh, but they are seldom used. They they won't stock spare parts seldom used anymore. You you need the part, you print it. You have you just need to stock the 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 CAD specifications. It's that easy. That that's uh, you know super transformational for many many businesses. Even just staying on the metal, not even thinking about printing. Uh, 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 organic components or, or stuff like that. Then, of course, I love chocolate as well, right? So, and, and <laughs> We're definitely having Jason, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward for the day in which I can print my own uh, golf clubs. I'm sure there will be. Ah, I think Jason's going to be there watching you. Jason mm-hmm. will be helping you get the, yes, the best kind to solve the Gordian knot of getting a better golf par, getting your par down. Okay, I just want to do a shout-out to Tech Tweets, who just tweeted a 
Jorge Garcia-ism, I think we made you famous or more famous, Jorge. Now it's time in earnest for the crystal ball round. I can only give you about a minute and a half each because we are five minutes away from the end of the show. So let's go back to the beginning order. First do Jason Sprunk at Rockwell Automation. Jorge, Jorge, you'll be next, and then Francesco will be after that. So what do you see if we met five years from today talking about the future of simplifying complexity, insight-driven innovation, Jason Sprunk, what would have been accomplished, do you see, in the next five years, or all the way go to 2020, because we know hindsight is supposed to be that. So I'll give you a little over a minute. Keep it tight. Go ahead, Jason Sprunk. Sure thing. Well, my best hope for the world is all the things we talked about here, the ability to produce things locally, the ability to refocus our efforts on sustainability and, and sort of solving some real meaty world, world-level world problems. But I think realistically, um, I, I, you know, the challenger, I think, comes back to making sure that we've got people equipped to know what we're trying to do here. You know, what was just mentioned around um, sharing information, collaborating. Well, for the, for those that are monetarily motivated, sometimes you've got to keep things close to the vest. And so how do you innovate and be driven by your motivations and want to continue to innovate, but at the same time collaborate and share? And so for me, I, I think there's some there's some competing interests that are going to get in the way there. I hope, I hope, I hope that we can take all of these fantastic new things and kind of, as a, as a society and culture, repurpose what we're focused on. But I think there's a long way to go. And fundamentally, it's an absolutely great time to be alive in the middle of this stuff, and I'm just excited to be in the middle of a conversation with such great folks who uh, have offered me such wonderful, inspirational ideas. You are so kind to the other panelists, and I know they feel the same way about you. Let's move right now. Let's let the accolades wait till the end. Jorge Garcia at Tech, I'll give you 90 seconds. Give me your predictions, please. Go. Yes, two things that I would love to see uh, in the future is, well, basically, uh, I know that uh, technology will be there, and we we will consolidate ecosystems, and I'm very, very, I'm hoping, looking forward to that. But also, I I hopefully will see, we will be able to see some changes in ethical and and, and behaviors Mm. adapting to these new conditions of business and, and life in general. So I will be hoping to see more about uh, about how our, our society is coping with, with new technologies to improve uh, our, our way of life. Thank you, Jorge. And let's turn to Francesco Mari at SAP. 90 seconds as well. Go, well, you can take two minutes, actually. Go ahead, Francesco. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, my prediction is that if we have this show in five years, the title will be The Present of Complexity because I believe that complexity maybe with different names, but the concept that we mean basically will be a major uh, uh, topic for the next years. What I'm seeing is, is the rise of something that could be even be called in the future the science of complexity uh, as a highly interdisciplinary field where uh, um, you know, physics, IT, uh, various fields in technology like energy, transportation, healthcare, um, urban planning, urban life, will somehow converge to transform the way we live. And I believe IT has a very special role to play and, and, and a very special responsibility in this. And, and I, can, I cannot agree more with, with Jorge uh, when, when he was talking about this, this social aspect. One thing that seems to me a concrete hope for, for human beings is that with this increased level of awareness of how much we are interconnected with each other and how much we are interdependent on each other, also a higher interest 
in, in social responsibility and, and socially responsible behaviors, starting from, of course, from large organizations, you know, the governments, uh, businesses, but, but then going down to individuals. That, that could be a, a, a side effect of this transformation we're going to see, I'm sure we're going to see in the next years. So hopefully we'll yep. talk about the present of complexity with this aspect on, on top. I, I think we need to do a part two. I'll talk to Dave Fowler about it. Dave Fowler, thank you for tweeting tech tweets. We, that we have an invitation. They say, oh, if I'm holding a 3D printing party for chocolate, <laughs> they'll be there. And Ido Shamgar joined us on, on Twitter today, and he says, there's nothing like Swiss 3D printed chocolate. You got that right. Oh, that, I'm glad I brought it up. That really caught everybody's attention. Listen, it's time for Bonnie to do her predictions, and they're really easy. Today is Thursday. That means 4 p.m. Eastern time where I am in New York. Startup focus with Game Changers, we're doing a repeat of one of our best of shows on the handheld future. Talk about predictions. Then we start our cycle all over again on Monday with Financial Excellence with Game Changers. That's 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Tuesday, it's it's HR Trends with Game Changers at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. Wednesday, of course, is my flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. That's 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern. I know I get confused, too. And Thursday, we're back here again, Thursday morning, 7 a.m. Pacific. 10 Eastern with Future of Business with Game Changers. I have to do shout-outs to my extraordinary panel, Jason Sprunk at Rockwell Automation. Thank you. Jorge Garcia at Tech. Thank you. Francesco Mari at SAP. Thank you. I have a special shout-out today to a gentleman named Eduardo Huergo at SAP. He's an Argentinian transplanted with his family to Mexico. He says on LinkedIn, he emailed me and said he listens to all of our SAP radio shows and that he's using <laughs> these shows to learn to improve his English. I have to tell you. So all of us, we're, we're helping, to, uh, helping to improve the English. And Eduardo, I want you to keep listening because we're thrilled to know that you're a fan of the show. Thank you also, of course, to our sponsor, Dave Fowler at SAP, Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer, and tweeters Dave and Ito and Tech, and uh, to Brad and the Business Channel team. I have 30 seconds, and I'm going to use it well. Okay to my guests, Jason and Jorge and Francesco. Fasten your seatbelts. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another live. Live edition. This is actually episode number five. And I forgot to tell you, we are live. It's Thursday, April 3rd. Yes, Q1 is over. Let's hurtle toward the future. We'll be back next week on Thursday with another edition live of Future of Business with Game Changers Radio. Signing off for now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.